Is it possible that you can be too smart for your own good? Turn to your neighbor and say, you're a smarty pants. Because <laughs> smartness is okay. Smartness is okay. But sometimes, sometimes we can be too smart for our own good. We are back in the series in the Gospel of John, and we are picking up in John chapter 9. If you have your Bibles, turn there with me, or if you have the Grace Capital Church app, you go to those three little dots down below or the more section, and you can find the Bible app right in there, embedded into our, web, into our, our app. Take whatever your favorite device is, if you have your physical Bible, John chapter 9. In this section, Jesus heals a man who was blind. The interesting thing about this story is the very first account that we've ever recorded of a blind person who has been blind by birth being healed. Jesus does it. Uh, we have later accounts on, on that, but this is interesting. This is the very first account. And he, as always, Jesus has a run-in with some religious people. And before we get in there, I just want to share a story with you. I, I think, you know, I've, I've been to Bible school. I have my master's degree. I, I like to learn. But what I have found that sometimes the more I learn, the more that I start using my intellectual thoughts to lead me as opposed to leading in a way that I think God's designed us. Our culture has really put a lot of attention and focus on being educated, right? We go to school from kindergarten to 12th grade. If you want to go on further than a four-year postgraduate um, degree, if you want to go on further education. But they put a lot of emphasis on training your mind. Training your mind. But the scripture also tells us that knowledge puffs us up and what we have uh, culturally, what we struggle with, is the ability to have, to lead with our emotions, which God, I do believe, wants us to lead with a heart of love and compassion. Sometimes we lead with our mind and we intellectualize. I mean, I, I love somebody who wants to challenge me on theological ideas. I love that. I love it's like, I feel like you're just like sparring over ideas. And I can actually be opposing on different ideas. Even if I don't believe it, I can go to the other side and then I can argue it. Even if I don't believe it, I like that. But what I do find in this ability as I begin, and maybe you're the same way, as you begin thinking about things and you think you solidified how you thought of something and kind of determined that you're right, it's interesting. We, we can begin to use even the scripture, even the scripture, to lead in our relationships with other people, and then we can actually find that we're doing more damage than good. Just think about that for a moment. How can Scripture do more damage than good? You see, I think sometimes we lead with the what and not the who, and the what is what we think, and then we forget what's right in front of us is the who, and God has also called us to people, not ideas. He's asked us to initiate our lives with people and not just a, an idea of things. And, and if we just get stuck on ideas, we become very judgmental. The church has been known in past to really do a lot of damage in people's lives because they don't leave with the who of the love. They leave with the what, with the theology, and then the theology doesn't care what the who is, the person that's in front of you, and hurting broken people leave away, leave more hurt and more broken. And we're going to stop that. <laughs> 
right? We're going to put an end to that. And, and here's what happens. So if you look at the scripture, um, Jesus' disciples passed by a man that was blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, teacher, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born uh, blind? And Jesus answered, it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the work of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming, even uh, night, night is coming when no one, when no one, <laughs> when no one, I'll get this. Where's the next line? Here we go. When no one will work. There we go. That's one. When no one will work. Where did it go? By the way, do you know I'm wearing new glasses? <laughs> the problem is my old glasses broke, and I had to dig some out of my drawer, these old glasses, so that's, I'm just giving you the reason why I can't find the line. <laughs> there we go. Let's do this again. It w- these are Jesus' words. I don't want to mess up Jesus' words. It was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the work of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Okay, so here we go. The disciples started with the what, not the who. They began to see this man who was born blind and they walked past him and then started having a theological conversation. Who sinned that this man would be blind at birth? Now, they had a bunch of ideas. It was like some of the Jewish people at the time were thinking about reincarnation. They were thinking about, can you sin in the womb? You know, you theologicalize all these. That's not a word, by the way. You can theologicalize all of these things. And, and you begin to understand that if you, we miss the person that's standing in front of us because you're making a judgment, we miss the very thing. And Jesus corrects them. So as followers of Jesus, as disciples of Jesus, which we all are, unless you're here today for the first time and you're like, I'm just trying to figure out what Christianity all is. What's this mean? Who's this Jesus guy? So maybe you're not a follower of him yet, but you're here and I love that you're here. And... Um, And Jesus has reoriented them to say, well, stop the theological conversation. And he puts a squash on. He says, neither mom or dad sinned. He didn't sin. It's just the nature of life, right? But he also said that he was born that way so that God could be glorified in this process, probably for this this exact moment. I think sometimes when we look at challenging situations in your life, just gonna be a side trail on this one about the difficult situations that we could face in life that sometimes are out of our control. I wanna let you know that sometimes God uses the most painful, challenging things in your life to, to display some of the most beautiful things. And I want to just give you that as an encouragement because sometimes you can get um, down. I I met this most beautiful baby today that's in this congregation. And his mom says, you know, he was born with this really rare uh, birth defect. Um, And I looked at it as not a birth defect, it's the most beautiful baby, but it knows how to crinkle on it. And it's very rare. And, And I looked at that and I was like, that baby is so beautiful. I actually didn't even see that. 
But that baby was so beautiful. And I think that's what God looks at that situation. See, we, we judge from the outside and we begin to make judgments on a situation that would, when, when Jesus is looking down that and says, no, you're so beautiful just the way you are. That situation is so beautiful because I'm going to work this a beautiful miracle in the midst of it. And I think sometimes we just get so discouraged and so distracted on those things that aren't quite working out for us or the circumstance or the situation and we then come to a place where we don't see what God sees and he wants to work a miracle. Now, the other part of this, he says, Jesus says, we must work the work of him that sent me. And, and do, you, do you think of your life like tomorrow? Do you think that, are you going to work tomorrow for those of you going to work, for those of you college students who are, who are on break and some of the students, are you going back to school, by the way, young ones, this coming week? Yes, you've already been to school. All right. Well, you're going back to school or you're going to work and you realize, and my wife is looking at me like, we have a son in high school. What are you, are you not, are you not paying attention? <laughs> okay, I did realize they're back to school. All right, um, but, but, but when you go to school, youngsters, and, and when you guys are going to work, do you realize that Jesus has you on mission to see people around you and see the situation that's going on, you're going to bring hope and light. And see, when Jesus says, I'm the light of the world, he asks us to be salt and light. And he says, the work that I have, I have to be about the Father's business. I have to be at work, meaning I'm working for the king in the kingdom while I'm going to work. Think about that for tomorrow. When you wake up tomorrow, yes, you're going to work, but you're working for the king in the kingdom tomorrow when you're going to work. All right, excellent. So then here he's going on, and, and now the guy, to, Jesus wants to heal this guy. So they're having a theological conversation, the what before the who, and Jesus is re-establishing the who. Look at the person. Look at this person. The person has a need. And, and he takes some mud, and, and he, he takes some dirt, and he spits in it, he creates some mud, and he lays it on the guy's hands. It's kind of gross. I, I, I get it. It's kind of gross. And I love this. Jesus never really does the same kind of miracle twice. Now, I think he, he does that because he doesn't want us to get formulaic. Like, you do this, this happens. Because again, we'll, we'll start looking at the miracle and not at the person who does the miracle. And, and we have to always rely on Jesus. You're the one who's doing this. Holy Spirit, you're working through us. But anyways, Jesus creates this, spits in his hands, creates some mud, puts it on his hands, and he says, I want you to go wash in the pool of Shalom. Shalom. There we go. Shalom. Shalom. S-I-L-O-A-M. Shalom. I want you to go wash in that pool. And interestingly enough, the man has to walk in faith to that pool first for him to receive that healing. I think sometimes we, we get prayed for and then like nothing happened, right? Nothing happened. But, but sometimes God wants us to walk something out before the happening happens. You know what I'm saying? That sometimes he wants us to walk in faith even though we don't see it. And it might take a journey like he had to walk from where he was to this pool for that healing to take place. I think sometimes we prayed once, that's it. You know, somebody laid hands on me at church, nothing happened. But, but Jesus wants you to walk out in obedience to what he's saying and allow that miracle to take place in God's timing, in God's way. 
Don't be formulaic. Don't expect just because elders anointed you with oil and you are healed. There's sometimes a process. Well, so he gets healed and now the religious guys are all up in arms because Jesus did this on the Sabbath. And now here's, here's the challenge of why sometimes a scripture misinterpreted can actually be really damaging for people. So here, here it is that the, the religious guys are now saying this man cannot be from God because he healed on the Sabbath. How could it be a person from God if he's breaking God's laws? So they're referring to the Ten Commandments, right? Unfortunately, we don't know those too well these days because they've been taken out of our schools and out of our courthouses. But there's a, there's a commandment that says that we are to keep the Sabbath and keep it holy. Honor the Sabbath and keep it holy. Observe the Sabbath. The Sabbath would be your day of rest. And the Jewish people determined that Jesus healed on the Sabbath which he did, Jesus did, and I think by purpose, Jesus always had a way of ticking off those religious guys because he's poking that bear because the religious were actually cloaking horrible things on people. They weren't setting them free. They were actually putting them in greater bondage. And here Jesus is saying, no, 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 no. Listen, I saw this man and with compassion, I saw his need and I healed him and, and on the Sabbath. So here's the big debate. Like he can't be from God because if he's really from God, then he wouldn't be breaking his own. God cannot break his own law, right? We, and and I, am, I can do this. I can use scripture, how I think of scripture and I can, I can, I love God's word. I love God's word, but I can love God's word so much that I cannot love somebody more. And, and if I'm not loving somebody more, I can use God's word in a way that is actually not meeting that person's need with love and compassion at the time. See, see, the religious leaders wanted, they wanted Jesus not to heal. They wanted him to observe God's law and, and what's better, you know. And it's not, by the way, a better or not. It's not like Jesus sinned. He, they had a misinterpretation of what honoring the Sabbath meant. It is kept holy for God, right? Do you not think he was working for God at that moment? Right? So here he is. He's, he's healing him. And, and the problem is, so now they bring his parents. I'm just kind of paraphrasing the rest of the story here. But they bring his parents into the scene. And they said, and they're really trying to make a judgment. Because if something took place and if they were starting to say that Jesus was God. What was happening is those people were actually excommunicated. Have you ever heard of stories of, of churches excommunicating people? Maybe not so much today because it's today we just leave a church or we just uh, stop going to church or what have you. But, but back then, it was, it was a big deal. They would be excommunicated, but not only be excommunicated from the church, societally all these funky words today, in society, they would find that these people, would, they'd be treated like lepers. If they were kicked out of the synagogue, which, which basically this blind man ended up doing, he got kicked out of the synagogue, but his parents didn't want to speak for him, and, and they said, ask my son, he's of age, you can ask him, and basically said, this is what he said, I once was blind, but now I see. 
I once was blind, but now I see. I think one of the most beautiful things that Jesus does in our life is we once were. And he didn't tell us to get our lives all together first. He basically found us, or we found him, however that connection works. I think he pursues all of us, but I think in the moment in time when our hearts become enlightened and ready to receive him. What does he do first? He loves us first. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. So he loves us first in the process of that love. He doesn't go through and just say, now turn to uh, scripture XYZ and get your life in order. And when you do, then I will really love you. Then I'll really love you. No, he says, I love you the way you are. Now, the great thing about his Holy Spirit, when we receive Jesus, his Holy Spirit now dwells inside of us, and then we will desire to do what is right. We'll desire to live the way God wants us to. Our conscience will become um, more enlightened to, um, between right and wrong, and we'll want to do the pleasing thing. And, and what we're finding in this story, though, is... is when you lead with the what and not the who, we become so religious-minded, especially when we lead with Scripture and saying, you need to somehow get your life together. Da, da, da. And the reality is Jesus is teaching us how to leave, lead with love and compassion. By the way, the guy says he believes afterwards. Jesus then encounters him again after he's being kicked out of the church. By the way, uh, did you know I was kicked out of Bible school? I was. Now, it's a, the conversation is a little bit more sensitive today because if I shared with you really the reason why, you, you might get some weird thoughts, which, um, okay, I'll give you some weird thoughts. A lot of you know the story, but, but, but I was playing, uh, I was doing a joke. I, I was in Bible school with my wife, and we were married, married, and... We lived on the married floor, and below us was the, was the girls' floor. And my wife was down on the girls' floor, and no guys were supposed to be on the girls' floor, making sense. But my wife was down there. They were doing some little, um, little birthday party in the hallway. And I said, oh, this will be so funny. This will be so funny. So I went in the closet, and I got my wife's dress. And... <laughs> And I think I might have found some nylons too, <laughs> back in the day when nylons were a thing. But, but I came down to the girls' floor. It was a, literally a matter of four-minute inspiration that was probably, <laughs> I mean, what was I thinking? But I was just wanting to be a jokester. So I went down, and I went to the girls' floor. I said, hello, I'm here for the party. <laughs> Right, and, and oh, funny, 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 joke, 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 joke. Not so funny for the, um, for the chancellor of the school who pulls me into his office and pulls out the scripture. He had a British accent. Oh, dear, dear. Any man who wears women's clothing is an abomination before the Lord. And actually, I was asked to leave. And I feel bad for my wife because she had to bear the burden of my foolish joke. Um, and I spent nights crying, actually, about that because my heart was misjudged. 
And it was so hurtful to, to think, here I am pursuing God with all my heart. And, and yet somebody wants to misjudge that situation and then start throwing scripture at me as if like somehow that's going to do something. I don't know. But that's what, the, that's what religiosity does. And that's what religion does. Religion kills. Religion kills. But, but when we... When we, don't, when we focus on the who first, the person that's in front of us with love and compassion, you know, probably in that situation, he probably put, put, should have pulled me aside and says, hey, Mark, probably poor judgment on your part. You know, it, it probably, I know it was a joke. I know you thought you were funny, but can, can we consider maybe next time you think before you act, <laughs> right? <laughs> and I'll be like, yeah, you're, you're right. I'm sorry, that was dumb. And it'd be done, right? Now, thankfully, God has, has used that situation to do deeper work in my life. And that's usually what pain does in your life. It actually has the ability to strengthen you. But, but again, very hurtful. Going back to the story, though, of, of the man who was blind by birth, but now sees. And so he's of an older age, right? Because he's an age of accountability. And so... So he says, I once was blind, but now I see. And then, and then Jesus asked them the question. Um, let me see what that question is that he asked him. He says to him, he says to him, what verse? 35. 35. Verse 35. Jesus heard that they had cast him out, and having found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? Another version says, Son of God. And he answered, And who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? And Jesus said to him, You have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. And he said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. I believe, and I worshipped him. This last thing that um, I'm going to close with this, that Jesus said after him. And, and so, by the way, I just want to encourage you. Sometimes, I know the scripture says um, that in Romans, that, that, we, that people believe by hearing the word of God. Faith comes by hearing, by the word of God. And, and, I, and I believe that. And this is why I, we preach through the word of God, because I believe that changes our hearts. But I also believe that, that God's love changes people and his encounter with him transforms a heart as well. So do not feel like you have to go around every moment with your Bible and open it and say, and God says, do you want to believe him? Now, there might be times the Holy Spirit does that. But I also believe that when you act with love and compassion from the inspiration of the Holy Spirit that's guiding you and you're going to work this week, listening and seeing, and by the way, prayer and fasting is an amazing way to be able to start hearing God more clearly. And you're responding to what he's saying and then you actually see God move in compassion. You find that, um, that people's hearts will believe People's hearts will believe because you've led with love and compassion in Jesus' name. But here we go. In, in conclusion, this is what Jesus says in uh, the last part of John chapter 9. Verse, verse 39. Jesus said, For judgment I come into this world... 
that those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. Now that seems really confusing just on the surface, but what he's doing is he's addressing the religious, and some of us, by the way, some of us, we can fall into this category. We know that we don't like to consider ourselves religious, but the, the more passion we have for Jesus and the passion for his word, it's really easy that we can lead with the what and not the who. And I, I, wanna be, I want you to hear that because if we lead with judgment of the what and we don't lead with compassion of the who, we realize that that our pride becomes blinders for us to what God is wanting to do. I want to encourage us that we always approach Jesus and his kingdom with humility. We are smarty pants, yes, but we're not as smart as we think we are. And we always have to stay humble and we always have to stay teachable. And that we always have to focus on the who, the person, before the what, before we what we know. Now, what we know is, it leads us to it. But, but if we lead on, on with judgment of what we know, I guarantee you that people will not have the heart to receive. But very few people will turn away deep, true love, compassion, and care. Very few people will turn that away. And if you care about their eternal soul, lead with a who before the what. So when he says that, that he came to basically take the blinders off of those who are needing to see, who need a savior, but the blinders stay on for those who think they've got it all figured out. Jesus came and it's, he's like a great divider. That he divides our world and as much as we say, okay, the world will know by our unity for one another, and that's true, but, but he makes us make this decision of like, are we going to humble ourselves and be teachable and, and follow him and allow the Holy Spirit to lead us? Or are we going to get so religious in our thinking that we get prideful and then we start hurting more people? Actually, even trying to use scripture and actually trying to... to represent Jesus, but, but not in a godly way. So my prayer for us as we move into these 21 days of prayer and fasting, that our spiritual ears and eyes would become more sensitive to, to the people around us. In that not only will we come into this time of like, hey, we're going to really dig into God's word together. And I want to encourage you, believe me, I'm not saying don't be in God's word. I want you to know God's word. I believe that's how we build our relationship with him. Be in God's word. But don't be in God's word just for a theological exercise. Like I want more knowledge because knowledge puffs up. But you are in God's word. So you say, I want to know your heart. I want to know your heart, God. And as we know his heart, then we approach people as, as realizing that God loves them and he has something for them. And you're led with compassion, not through a righteous attitude of, I know better, let me tell you how to live. But instead we, we come to them with, with a heart of, of God's heart. 
which is while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us on the cross, right? He sacrificed himself. He took the pain, the guilt, and the condemnation on that cross for us while we were still in the mess. And then through his love, we found him. Man, when he found me in the middle of my mess, all I felt was his love. And that love compelled me to want to know him. And by knowing him, my life changed. Like many of our stories. But as we move into this time of prayer and fasting together, let it not be just a spiritual exercise. I just need to become more spiritual. Let it be an exercise saying, I want to remove the distractions of my life, whether it's food, whether it's media, whether it's movies, whether it is whatever it is, remove those distractions. And you press in to say, God, I want to have your heart. And then I want, I care about the who and not the what as much, right? The who first, the what's important. But you lean into saying, God, who are you leading me to? There's work to be done. There's work to be done. There's a lot of people who need the good news of Jesus Christ, who need his love and he needs his healing and his compassion. Would you do that? Would you do that? Thank you so much for watching us online. We're so glad that you joined us. We trust that Jesus has spoken to your heart and you've been challenged by his word. If you'd like to know more information about Grace Capital Church, please visit us at gccnh.com. We'll see you next time.